0: This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kohatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. British Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned last week after a mere 45 days in office. Truss, disgraced by the consequences of her own economic prescriptions, had the shortest term of any British prime minister in history. She offered an extreme version of trickle-down economics, which critics dubbed dubbed Trussonomics. Influenced by right-wing think tanks, such as the Adam Smith Institute and the Institute of Economic Affairs, she pushed a mini budget centered on major tax cuts for the wealthiest in Britain with no plan on how to compensate for the loss in revenues. Now, her conservative colleague Rishi Sunak has been inaugurated as the new prime minister, becoming the first non-white PM in the nation's history, Sunak is, quote, richer than the royals, which bodes ill for his approach to addressing economic concerns as well. My guest is Richard Wolff, professor of economics emeritus at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and a visiting professor in the graduate program in international affairs of the New School University in New York City, host of the weekly radio and TV program Economic Update and author of numerous books, including Understanding Socialism, Understanding Marxism, as well as The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Welcome back to the program, Richard.
1: Thank you, Sonali, glad to be here.
0: So first let's talk about Trussonomics. Um, It seems as though it isn't anything new. She seems to have repackaged Reaganomics, Thatcherism, you know, this age old idea that uh, we're gonna say we're helping all people middle class and lower income people by giving money to the richest and hoping that the crumbs fall down to everybody else is that basically what trustonomics is to you
1: absolutely it's vintage Uh, there's nothing new there's nothing bold there's really nothing is is probably the best word to apply a standard regime cut taxes at the top, subsidize corporations and profits, throw a little bit to the mass of people in the trust case, uh, a little bit of help towards uh, offsetting some of the enormous increase in energy costs uh, that plague the entire United Kingdom. And so the hope is people get a little and they'll look the other way when the lion's share is given to those who need it least and who are very good these days at making sure all of the crumbs stay on the table and don't fall off it.
0: What happened though when Trust put forward her mini budget? We saw. Um, even institutions in Britain um, sort of freak out. Uh, the Bank of England had to, um, you know, intervene and had to buy up bonds and raise interest rates. The IMF intervened or, or spoke out. Uh, the, the The market fell. Why?
1: Well, that's the interesting and most important part of this story. And the mainstream media have done a really bad job of getting it across this kind of economic program when you cut taxes on the rich and corporations uh and you leave everything else pretty much the same except for minor payoffs you might call them to the mass of people you obviously are running a deficit in other words you're reducing the revenue coming into the government because you've cut taxes on corporations and the rich and you're either maintaining or even increasing the outflow and that's an imbalance typically what governments do and the british are in no way unique here is they borrow the difference it's important for people to understand from whom they borrow so in the case of the british example of the trust government proposal what she would have had to do as all uh, prior prime ministers whether they're labor or conservative make no difference they would go to the same rich people and corporations and borrow the money that they had not taxed indeed the reason corporations and the rich are in a position to lend to the government is because this whole sorry saga starts with them cutting the taxes on corporations and the rich and from the point of view of the corporations and the rich this is what we call a no-brainer why because instead of paying a tax End of story. You don't own it anymore. The government took it and will use it to provide public services. No, no, no. Instead, with deficit finance, you get to lend the same money to the same government. They will pay you back that money in a few years and pay you interest every year while they hold it. And now here comes the problem for poor uh, Liz Trust this has been done so often that the national debt of the british government has grown so big as for example has that here in the united states as well that the rich people whose taxes you've cut are now saying to the same government we're not so sure we want to lend to you anymore you are so overcommitted. you have borrowed so much money that we're kind of fearful that even if it isn't you, somebody coming down the pike as the next prime minister, maybe even a fearful Labour Party person, would be tempted not to pay back some or all of the government's debt. And so we're not willing to lend it to you unless you do one thing. Give us an incentive. Provide for us a higher interest rate. Here's the problem. If the government were to have done that, and by the way, they considered doing that, exactly that, in the few days trust had. If the government did that, the way the bond market works, when the interest rates go up, the price of the bonds go down. And the British government, and particularly the pension funds that hold the money to give workers a decent retirement, They're sitting on lots of uh, bonds that have been lent to the government in the past. If the price of those goes down, they can't sell them Mm. to get the money to honor the pensions. When you put all that together, here's the simplest way to say it. Britain is now a poor, difficult country facing the kinds of problems that middle and low-income countries around the world have faced for generations. Their credit isn't that good, their economic system is in such difficulty that you might want to say symbolically it wasn't just Queen Elizabeth who was buried a few weeks ago. It is also the British economy that now has been exposed to the world as something so fragile, so problematic, that even its own rich people are hesitant to lend the money the government to do more of what it has done for so long.
0: Richard, is it um, that she prescribed and pushed forward these policies with too much speed and to to, too extreme a level that caused this, that, you know, had she played it more slowly like Trump and Clinton and Reagan did here in the U.S., or even that... Tony Blair or Thatcher did in the UK, that if she had allowed her trickle-down trickle down economics um, idea to be implemented more slowly, that she wouldn't have exposed the, the failings of this, this method?
1: Well, I think that would be the most generous <laughs> interpretation. <laughs> uh, you know, you're a kind person, I can see why you would want to <laughs> do that. And, and, and I understand that there is something to that. She did come in, and like so many of the people that come out of that milieu, uh, because they've seen it done so often, Because Trump did it, and Johnson did it, and the previous prime ministers did it, she felt she could come in and almost demonstrate her toughness, her her mastery of all of this, by rushing right in there and doing it. What she didn't understand is that they're at a tipping point in the British economy. And it goes far beyond government finances it has to do with the uh, deflection of the british economy by the brexit by imagining that the problems that were internal to that economy could somehow be magically solved by cutting yourself off from europe it didn't solve anything made their problems if anything worse she's would have had even if she took her time a hard a harder time as i believe uh the new uh rishi sunnah will have as well because these are very deep problems that have been built up the empire is gone the queen is gone the place of britain in the world economy it's all gone and you can only puff it up with borrowing and debt for so long until that no longer is possible and and the irony is it's her own colleagues in the financial center which is what London basically is most of the rest of the British economy is in such trouble that the London Financial Center is the core and to have what's left of that economy tell you you're not a worthy uh, borrower we're not going to lend you the money uh, that is a statement, a kind of admission of a level of difficulty that that you're going to have a hard time to overcome. And had she done it a bit better, had she done it a bit slower, had she not been quite as grotesque as to cut the, the income tax bracket of the people at the top, uh, which is already much lower than, say, uh, much higher, excuse me, than it is in the United States. If she hadn't done the, the these things quite as brashly. Yeah, she might have had a few more weeks or months, but she would have, in the end, faced the same problem as Britain is facing now.
0: So, what uh, you know? What advice would you give Rishi Sunak? He is, as I mentioned, he's a he's he's basically a white conservative in brown skin. I can say that because he comes from the same part of the world as I do. He's a extremely wealthy, it's unlikely that he's going to have progressive economic uh, solutions to the problem that he faces that his colleague created. What advice would you give him um, if he would listen to someone like you, who is a Marxist economist and who's a critic of uh, conservative capitalism? What advice would you give him to lift Britain out of this terrible place it's in right now?
1: Well, I'm sure he won't ask me, so this is a very safe place that I can (laughs) respond to your question, Um, and he wouldn't like what I have to say. He is going to have to make, and I'm quite confident about this, and I believe many of the people who we will listen to will say something like this, you're going to have to make very basic changes. This crisis that is now so intense was a long time coming, and you are not going to undo it in some quick overnight flim-flam operation. And you're going to have to be willing to take the steps that at least half of the people in your conservative party who just put you in that job—remember, that's how he got the job—it was a decision made by the voters who are members in good standing, Of the Conservative Party. Right, it's a parliamentary system. Right, half of them won't support anything I'm about to tell you. But he would have to, number one, put the government's finances in order, and by that I mean his advisors won't, but I mean you've got to tax the money where it is. You've got to tax corporations and the rich. That way you can spend money that the government has to spend to get this economy going again without incurring further debts, since the people you will turn to to lend to you will not do it unless you give them an amount of interest that will make it a kind of prison for the future of britain into the indefinite future you've got to be able to reorganize the distribution of wealth and income and therefore of political power uh, inside britain uh, leaders who come out of a conservative party are not likely to see that uh, or to, to dare Uh, go in that direction. Remember what it took here in this country. The one time in the last century that you really did have a redistribution of wealth and and, uh, income in the United States was in the depths of the Depression, the 1930s. And it took four years from 29 into 33 to get to a level of unemployment of 25 percent. One out of every four workers in this country was without work, a level of desperation no one had prepared this country for and for which they had no response. In that vacuum arose a left in America, the CIO, the socialists, the communists. They went to the president at the time, Franklin Roosevelt. And they said to him basically you have to get the mass of people through this crisis if you do we will celebrate you and you will be re-elected president if you don't you won't be re-elected dog catcher in this country because we're your vote and he got it he got the message and in a very few months guess what he created social security We'd never existed before in america older people 65 and older get a pension he created the unemployment compensation system he passed the first minimum wage and he hired 15 million americans to do public works and get paid a proper salary these were left-wing socialist ideas that americans had denounced and refused and rejected over and over and over again, until they had a crisis so profound that their own leaders decided, we have to do this. That's what you need now. England is in, or Britain is in that situation. The thing is, most of the time, uh, the kinds of leaders you have are unwilling to take the gamble, to be daring, to break the mold, And to take those steps i might say maybe this can get to rishi sunak maybe maybe mr roosevelt who did these things who got into office in 1932 as a moderate middle-of-the-road democrat was re-elected three times he was the most popular president in the history of the united states no one has ever come close so yeah he took a chance he responded. He made basic changes toward equalized wealth and income. He was rewarded for that. But I, again, would have to say, looking at at who is governing England over the last little while, uh, I don't see it. Uh, I didn't see it in Truss, and I don't see it in Sunak either. Right.
0: And if Sunak fails as well, uh, there will be new elections. Uh, The Labour Party, which is the British Liberal Party, uh, I guess their equivalent of the Democrats, may have the chance to come into power. And I suppose they could take the same advice that you have just given Sunak, uh, because like the Democrats uh, here in the U.S., uh, Labour in Britain Two has seemingly drunk from the Kool-Aid of trickle-down economics or just, you know, don't necessarily live up to the ideals that they spout. Um, Richard, thank you so much as always for joining us. Where can people watch your program, Economic Update?
1: Well, it's on Free Speech TV. It's on the Pacifica Radio Network. It varies in time and place. Uh, from where in the country it's broadcast. But it's a weekly show, and I invite people, if they're interested, uh, to come and join us. We look at all these kinds of questions, uh, taking some of our cues from having watched and listened to you all these years.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Richard. Always appreciate having you on.
1: Thank you, Sonali.
0: My guest has been Richard Wolf, Professor of Economics Emeritus at UMass Amherst, visiting professor in the Graduate Program in International Affairs at the New School University in New York City, host of Economic Update. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with